Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Pillow Talk with Mark and B, the podcast where we just talk. I'm B, and I'm here with Marcus. Uh, or you can call me Fructosios, oh. uh, which will be my demon name for this episode. Okay. Yeah. You are the demon. <laughs> yes. Good to know. Yeah, Glad yeah. to know. Well, ju- just for this, because we're reading the screw tape letters, so I feel like it's only appropriate for these episodes to take on the the demeanor and the mindset of a demon to try to trick the humans. You're done with Trevor Buzak. Oh, well, never. <laughs> that guy's a different type of demon. <laughs> so we're back reading the screw tape letters. Uh, we're going to do chapters 19, 20, and 21 today. Uh, how do you feel so far about this? Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, I'm learning a lot for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like every chapter is it, I've gotten something out of which I don't know how many books you can really say that. That's true. You know? I also like um, that I have to actually think about it, where it's not just a casual read. We've talked about kind of how verbose (laughs) his writing can be, uh, both in length of sentences, but also the words he chooses. Uh, So yeah, I feel like I'm also expanding my mind mentally just in my vocabulary and all that kind of stuff and just like you have to actually focus and really think what the fuck is he really trying to say yeah and there's been a couple of times where like way after the fact we're like oh my god what about this and what about that yeah yeah no it's really good so i guess let's jump into it and then we have a couple of exciting things at the end that i don't want to forget but i'm scared of forgetting i won't forget but yeah definitely listen to the very end because we got a couple things okay cool so chapter 19 My dear Wormwood, I've been thinking very hard about your question in the last letter. If, as I have known, as if, as I have clearly shown, all selves are by their very nature in competition, and therefore the enemy's idea of love is is a contradiction in terms. What becomes of my reiterated warning that he really loves the human vermin and really desires their freedom and continued existence? I hope, my dear boy, you have not shown my letters to anyone. Not that it matters, of course. Anyone would see the appearance of hearsay, heresy, into which I have fallen is purely accidental. By the way, I hope you understood, too, that some apparently uncomplimentary references to slug, to slub gob were purely jocular. I really have the highest respect for him, and, of course, some things I said about not shielding you from the authorities were not seriously meant. You can... Trust me to look after your interests, but do keep everything under lock and key. The truth is, I slipped by mere carelessness into saying that the enemy really loves all humans. That, of course, is an impossibility. He is one being, they are distinct from him. Their good cannot be his. And all his talk about love must be a disguise for something else. He must have some real motive for creating them and taking so much trouble and talk, taking so much trouble about them. The reason one comes to talk as if he really had this impossible love is our utter failure to find out the real motive. What does he stand to make out of them? That is the insoluble question. I do not see that it can come any harm to tell you that this very problem was the chief cause of our father's quarrel with the enemy. What... Oh, when the creation of man was first mooted, and when, even at that stage, the enemy freely confessed that he foresaw a certain episodes about a cross, our father very naturally sought an interview and asked for an explanation. The enemy gave no reply except to produce 
the cock and bull story about disinterested love, which he has been circulating ever since. This our father naturally could not accept. He implored the enemy to lay his cards on the table and gave him every opportunity. He admitted that he felt a real anxiety to know the secret. The enemy replied, I wish with all of my heart that you did. It was, I imagine, at this stage in the interview that our father's disgust at such an unprovoked lack of confidence caused him to, to remove himself of infinite distance from the presence with a suddenness which has given rise to the ridiculous enemy story that he was forcibly thrown out of heaven. Since then, we have begun to see why our oppressor was so secretive. His throne depends on the secret. Members of his faction have frequently admitted that if we ever came to understand what he means by love, the war would be over and we should re-enter heaven. And there lies the great task. We know that he cannot really love. Nobody can. It doesn't make sense. If we could only find out what he's really up to, hypothesis after hypothesis has been tried and still we cannot find it. Yet we must never lose hope. More and more complicated theories, fuller and fuller collections of data, richer rewards for researchers who make progress, more and more terrible punishments for those who fail. All this pursued and accelerated to the very end of time cannot surely fail to succeed. You complain that my last letter does not make it clear whether I regard being in love as, desire, as a desirable state for humans or not. But really, Wormwood, is that the sort of question one expects them to ask? Leave them to discuss whether love or patriotism or celibacy or candles on altars or teetotal... What is this word? Oh, yeah, teetotalism. Teetotalism. Yeah, heard that. I'll do a quick Google check. Teetotalism. Or education are good or bad. Can't you see there's no answer? Nothing matters at all except the tendency of given of a given state of mind in given circumstances to move in a particular patient at a particular moment nearer to the enemy or nearer to us. Thus, it would be quite a good thing to make the patient decide that love is good or bad. If he is an arrogant man with a contempt for body, really based on delicacy, but mistaken him for purity, and one who takes pleasure in flouting at what most of his fellows approve, by all means, let him decide against love. Instill into him an overweening asceticism. And then, when you have separated his sexuality from all that might humanize it, weigh in on him with it in such some... Wow. Weigh in on him with it in some much more brutal and cynical form. If, on the other hand, he is emotional, gullible man, feed him on minor poets and fifth-rate novelists of the old school until you have made him believe that love is both irresistible and somehow intrinsically meritorious. This belief is not of much help, I grant you, in producing casual unchastity, but it is an incomparable recipe for prolonged, noble, romantic, tragic adulteries, ending, if all goes well, in murders and suicides. Oof. Failing that it failing that it can be used to steer the patient into a useful marriage, for marriage through the enemy's invention has its uses. There must be several young women in your patient's neighborhood who would rather or who would render the Christian life intensely difficult 
to him if only you could persuade him to marry one of them. Please send me a report on this when you next write. In the meantime, get it quite clear in your own mind that this state of falling in love is not in itself necessarily favorable, uh, either to us or the other side. It's simply an occasion which we and the enemy are both trying to exploit it. Like most of the other things with which humans are excited about, such as health, sickness, age, youth, war, peace, it is from the point of the view point of view of the spiritual life, mainly raw material. Your affectionate uncle Screwtape. Hmm. So interesting. Okay, so my first thoughts are he kind of talked about how he had no idea why like it was talking about how like the separation of the devil and Jesus and it said that the devil left willingly in heaven, like left heaven willingly because he didn't understand and he challenged God and blah, 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 instead of God kicking him out. Yeah. Over the topic of love and selfless love and he didn't understand why God could do that. But then he goes on to talk about love and the patient and how he doesn't think that either parties will actually... Like, it doesn't work well for either of the parties, but he doesn't understand love in, to begin with. Like, yeah. the real, true love. And I guess you can't when you're evil, right? Well, yeah. Well, I would argue that the Christian God doesn't know what love is either, so... Yeah, I mean... You know, the whole damning everyone to hell bit, but... But, but if you've um, got a kid who's about to um, jump into a car, do you get upset with it? Like, you pun... You, you, Spare the rod, spoil the child, right? Yeah, but, like, see, I wouldn't put a child in a car, give them the keys, and then... What if the child put them up the to... keys? But that's not how... Yeah, that's not how humans were made, though. We didn't take anything. We were put on this earth, and then he fucking punishes no, us. No, 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 no. We were put in a garden with an apple. Yeah. Let's call it a key. And then we took the key. Yeah. And started driving, and then got punished for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm still a little bitter over this this whole topic. This was my biggest gripe about it. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't get much out of this one necessarily, this chapter, oddly enough. I don't know. It just, uh, huh. Um, it did... I'm trying to put a little more thought into it. Maybe I need to think a little harder and a little deeper on it. It did talk about how um, you... The enemy, well, like, okay, demons or whatever, the bad guys, can use marriage. For marriage, through the enemy's invention, has its uses. There must be several young women in your patient's neighborhood who would render the Christian life intensely difficult to him. Persuade him to marry one of them. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, that's like the marrying unequally yoked or whatever, like, uh... Get him to get him to fall in love with somebody who has different values, and then his whole life's kind of just, you know, confusing. Yeah, and, and challenging, and an uphill battle with the person that you're supposed to be a partner with. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, that one word that we didn't know, teetotalism, or whatever, however you say it, it uh-huh. is the abstinence of like alcohol. Oh. Total abstinence from Man, alcoholic drinks. Why don't you just say so? The practice enough. and promotion of total abstinence. From... Why don't you just say it? <laughs> um. Okay, this one's yours. Yeah, yeah. I think I might have to read that other one again at my own leisure, but... Uh, I, I feel like maybe I was the issue because it's hard to read. No, I don't think you were the issue at all, my love. Wow. I think uh, just... I don't know. Wow. I don't know. Thanks, Ben. Um, okay, chapter 20. My dear Wormwood, 
I note with great displeasure that the enemy has for a long time being put a forcible end to your direct attacks on the patient's chastity. You ought to have known that he always does in the end, and you ought to have stopped before you reached that stage. For as things are, your man has now discovered the dangerous truth that these attacks don't last forever. Consequently, you cannot use again what is, after all, our best weapon, the belief of ignorant humans. That there is no hope of getting rid of us except by yielding. I suppose you've tried to pers tried persuading him that chastity is unhealthy. I haven't yet got a report from you on young women in the neighborhood. I should like it at once, for if we can't use his sexuality to make him unchaste, we must try to use it for promotion of desirable marriage. In the meantime, I would like to give you some hint about the type of woman, I mean the physical type, which he should be encouraged to fall in love with if falling in love is what we can best manage. In a rough and ready way, of course, this question is decided for us by spirits far deeper down in the lower archery than you and I. It is the business of these great masters to produce in every age the general misdirection of what may be called sexual taste. This they do by working through a small circle of popular artists, dressmakers, actresses, uh, advertisers, who determine the fashionable type. The aim is to guide each sex away from those members of the other with whom spiritually helpful, happy, and fertile marriages are most likely. Thus, we now have many centuries triumphed over the nature to the extent of making certain secondary characteristics of the male, such as a beard, disagreeable to nearly all females. And there is more than that than you might suppose. As regards, the male's taste will have varied a great deal. A good time we have directed to the statuesque and aristocratic type of beauty, mixing men's vanity with the desires and encouraging the race to breed chiefly from the most arrogant and uh, prodigal women. At another, we have selected an exaggerated feminine type, faint and languishing, so that folly and cowardice and all the general falseness and littleness of mind which will go with them shall be a premium. At present, we are on the opposite track. The age of jazz, jazz has succeeded the age of the waltz, and we now teach men that women whose bodies are secretly distinguishable, scarce, scarcely distinguishable from those of boys. Since this is the kind of beauty even more transitionary than most, we thus aggravate the female chronic horror of growing old, with many excellent results, and render her willing and less able to bear children. And that is not all. We have engineered a great increase in the license which society allows to the representation of the apparent nude, not the real nude, in art, and its exhibition on stage and bathing or the bathing beach. It is all fake, of course. The figures in the popularity art are falsely driven, the real women in bathing suits or tights are actually pinched in and propped up to make them appear firmer and more slender, more boyish than nature allows a full-grown woman to be. Yet at the same time, the modern world is taught to believe that being frank and healthy and getting back to nature, or that that is being frank and healthy and getting back to nature. As a result, we are more and more directing the desires of men to something which uh, does not exist making the role of the eye sexually more and more important, at the same time making its demands more and more impossible. What follows you easily forecast. That is the general strategy of the moment. But inside that framework, you will, still find it you will still find it possible to encourage your patient's desires in one of two directions. 
You'll find, if you look carefully into any human heart, that he is haunted by at least two imaginary women, a terrestrial and infernal Venus, and that his desire differs qualitative, qualitatively according to its object. There is one type for which his desire is such as to be naturally uh, amenable to the enemy, readily mixed with charity, readily obedient to marriage, colored all through with the golden light of reverence and naturalness, which we, we detest. There is another type which he desires brutally, the desires of desi and desires to be brutal. There is another type which he desires brutally and desires to desire brutally. <laughs> a type best used to draw him away from marriage altogether, but which, even when marriage, he would tend to treat as a slave, an idol, or an accomplice. His love for the first might involve the enemy calls evil, but only accidentally the man would wish that she was not someone else's wife and be sorry that he could not love her lawfully. But the second type, the felt evil, is what he wants. It is that tang in the flavor which he is after. In the face, it is the visible aminality, uh, amor, aminality, yeah, or sulkiness, or craft, or cruelty which he likes, and in the body, something quite different from which he ordinarily calls beauty. Something he may even, in the same hour, describe as ugliness, but which are by our art we can be made to play on the raw nerve of his private obsession. The real use of, in, of the infernal Venus is, no doubt, as a prostitute or mistress. But if your man is a Christian and he has been very well trained in nonsense about irresistible and all-excusing love, he can often be introduced or induced to marry her, and that is very worth, and that is very well worth bringing about. You will you will have failed as regards fornication. You will have failed as regards fornication and solitary vice. But there are other and more indirect methods of using a man's sexuality to his undoing. And, by the way, there is not only efficiency, but delight at the happiness produced of the very lasting and exquisite kind. Your affectionate Uncle Screwtape. Yeah, so this is all just like about fake beauty standards, and I just... Yeah, and I got some masculinity, some femininity stuff. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that he writes this mostly like from... Like, the, his patient's a, a male, usually, it seems like. Well, nephew. Mm -hmm. uh, no, no, no. Uh, the nephew, his patient. The guy oh, is, is from yeah. a male point of view. Like, all this was written, like, if you can get the guy to do this, yeah. it isn't necessarily about what the woman's doing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of these chapters are. But, yeah, this one, like, man... Kim Kardashian, fuck you. You're you're not beautiful. You are fake. You're a liar. You're a liar. You are a fake human. Every and you single are, person yeah. with Botox, with like, mm -hmm. you're lying. Yeah. And and trapping men. And men will get enamored by beauty. Mm -hmm. we, we seek out beauty. And it's this trap where it's like, we, we see these beautiful women that end up divorcing the men and taking everything they have because they have no soul, you know? I know the story of this guy who got married to this girl and he almost never saw her without makeup and then all of a sudden saw her with make without makeup and <laughs> yikes. <laughs> it was not the same. Nah, nah. Um, and yeah, like not that makeup is like the biggest deal. Like that's, I, I don't think that's like the. It's face paint. 
it's face paint. I could yeah. see like maybe covering up like some acne or whatever, but if yeah. you're literally changing the shape of your face. Yeah, like if you're doing a bunch of contouring and like a bunch of those kind of crazy adding blush to sexualize yourself. And that's I don't what know, it like... is. Lipstick is like it's to portray kissing and yeah. blush is to portray that sexual like fire like yeah. there if you actually look into the history of why people do these things when you wear heels it does things to your calves like it, it elongates your body and like it sticks your ass out and your your the lower back goes in and like it is all to sexualize a woman and it's yeah. all by the way women created by men to do so <laughs> it's not women creating these these makeup lines it's not women creating the high heels it's men it, men started that you're doing it for them and you and it's just wild to think that like all of these girls are like well i feel better i feel better that's because more guys give you attention yeah it's not because you feel better it's because yeah. you feel like you're more attracted to men yeah and the thing about beauty is it's fleeting so once that goes and if you haven't worked on yourself all those men all the all the attention it's gonna fade with it yeah absolutely um, yeah no this one's very interesting just like the trap of beauty like it's just so easy to fall in love with like you know a, a, a gorgeous woman or whatever without even caring without even asking what it what what's What's the deeper you? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Very interesting. It even talked about how, like, I think in one spot it talked about, like, if he has sex and then he gets married as a result of having sex, that that's great. That works in our favor, yeah. blah, 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 because then it's not a healthy marriage. It's not, like, yeah. all these people getting married to have sex, that's <laughs> not what marriage is for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another one that was interesting in here... Um, in the face, it is the visible aminality of sulkiness or craft or cruelty which he likes in the body. Something quite different from what he ordinarily calls beauty. Something he may even, in the same hour, describe as ugliness, but which, by our art, can be made to play on the raw nerve of his private obsession. I just think of, like, there are these people that intentionally go out of their way to, like, make themselves ugly, where it's like they, they, they ram their face with so many piercings to go mm. out of the way, or they... They give themselves a stupid, shitty haircut and dye it pink, purple, and blue. And, like, you know, it's just, like, you're not pretty, but you're alluring. And that's yeah, another trap. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, like, it's, it's like, this, it's like, like you mystique. catch my eye. You catch because my you're eye. Because different. And yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, that's, a, that's another trap, like, for both men and women. Like, men, like, you got to look out for those types of things. Like just because they're different doesn't mean they're special. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but for women, it's like, yeah, you don't you you don't want to go too far where you're just like out there, like you know, head to face tattoos. Like I don't have anything against tattoos. You got a bunch. I got some. Yeah. But like, just imagine if your whole body was tattooed, including your face. Then yeah. all of a sudden, it's like that might be ugly. I think, but too, it's alluring. We live in this world where. I don't like I can go on Instagram and every single person that I come across has some sort of filler, some sort of like something yeah. to change their face. But these what? these people all end up looking the same. Yeah. It just looks like a clone and there's no natural beauty, there's no individuality, there's yeah. no it, you just take away from yourself in an effort to I don't know, look like Kim yeah. Kardashian, who, by the way, is fake. It's a lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were talking about how, like, yeah, when they're in the swimsuit on the beach, they have uh, tape holding this up and mm -hmm. cinching in this. And it's, like, these unrealistic beauty standards that just do horrible damage to, to women. Because here's the honest truth. 
You could be a one out of ten girl, and you will still get a guy. Yeah. Guys, they we like. Yeah. Beauty is important for sure, but it's not. I saw this like, thing the other day. The only thing. It was like I wish more girls realized that if you shot your, if you shoot your shot, you will end up with. You won't end up alone. Yeah. Yeah. If for girls sure. shot the shot every single time. Guys like that because guys don't get girls well, like the yeah like we shoot is... shots and it's like one out of ten we get shot down mm-hmm. well, yeah nine out of ten you get shot down oh yeah, yeah whereas yeah. girls oh, yeah, one out of ten you yeah very interesting uh, I thought I thought had one more quick little thought on this oh yes oh yes give it to me if you use Instagram filters or any type of filters. Go fuck yourself. You're a fake human. You're just lying, man, for the sake of looking beautiful and trying to get... Like, and why do you want to look beautiful? So you can be sexually attractive to the opposite sex. And, like, the reality is you're going to show up to dinner and they're going to see you and walk out of the restaurant. Exactly. that's not who you said you were. But if you would have posted yourself, that person would have still showed up and then they probably would have fallen in love. They wouldn't have felt lied to and betrayed. Or another person who actually found you beautiful and yeah. isn't looking for the fake shit and isn't yeah. looking for the filters and isn't looking for the Botox, they would have found you. And actually, those are the kind of guys you want to go for. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that one was... I got a little more out of that one in the first chapter. <laughs> but. Perfect. <laughs> All right. So uh, then the last chapter is chapter 21. My dear Wormwood. Um... Sorry, maybe just one more thing. Keeping up with trends. We know these people. We know a lot of people. Everyone knows people that just keep up with beauty trends and stuff. And it's just... Actually, I have another thought too. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. Just It's just like, what are you up to? Like, you're just changing with the times. And it's like, no, be you. Like, be special. Be who you were made. To be. It, yeah, like, don't follow these weird trends and these weird things. Like... The enemy in this book would have said you are fearfully and wonderfully made. There's literally nobody else like you. Your DNA is completely different from everybody else walking on the Mm -hmm. earth. You cannot, well, I guess now you can be cloned, but like (laughs) back in the day, the idea was that you were just you and that's perfect and that's beautiful and there's nobody else like you and that's why you're special. And nobody else has what you have to offer, yeah. I see these videos and it's just like, if you're still wearing this... Blah blah blah. Throw out your call or your closet. This is what's trending in. Could and it's like, could imagine? you imagine a being the person to be like, hey, I know that we're going through this like global recession, but throw out everything you are because, <laughs> or throw out everything that you've bought and paid for and whatever because it's ugly. And could you imagine being the girl on the other end being like, oh my god, oh my, oh, now oh. I have to do a side bang because that's what's in, and yeah. now I have to Me- dye my hair. And <laughs> Meanwhile, I- guys are like, what are you up to over there? <laughs> like, they don't know, don't they don't care. care. <laughs> exactly. uh, I'm going to shit on Warhammer players for a second since I'm in a saucy mood. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> you meta chasers. Just because mm. there's a new codex out and there's a new spicy rule doesn't mean that that rule is always gonna be there don't change your army just for three months of a uh, of a game you might I not understand this my homeboy Gerald will know <laughs> <laughs> he can teach me more things <laughs> yeah no um yeah just don't just be you don't try to go with the trends and stuff like i think that's the key like like you are awesome whoever you are and if you especially lean into who you are lean into the good qualities about yourself lean into you know, you find the haircut that is good for you. Yeah. Don't find, don't just wear the one that everyone else is wearing. Like everyone has like a specific 
hairstyle that they're kind of made to have. Like, you know, if I started curling my hair, I'd look like a complete weirdo. Yeah. I don't think it would fit. But, you know, when I have this kind of tight cut on the side. Anyways. Um, there's this song, Victoria's Secret song. There's a song, and it's like, I know Victoria's Secret. Victoria's Secret, by the way, is um, like a bra, whatever, shop, lingerie, whatever. Yeah. And it's basically, the song goes like, I know Victoria's Secret, and it's that he's some guy in like the middle of the states and blah 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 trying to prey on women and whatever like <laughs> all of these girls victoria's secret is so expensive it's like yeah. 80 dollars for a bra like 80 bucks for a matching thong <laughs> or whatever like you don't even Brutal. like that shit no i'm like take that stuff guys up. just want you naked okay yeah. like don't spend money on it it does not matter when you can get the same thing to do the same job for five yeah. bucks at walmart nobody cares yeah keep just keep a clean and tidy appearance and i think you'll go far yeah um, well, to all those people that I said fuck you to, I said a lot of that. This this one, I apologize. <laughs> Thanks for listening. My bad. You say it out of love. Well, I felt pretty, I pre felt pretty nasty, but. <laughs> oh. No, I genuinely yeah. care. Like, I wish yeah, yeah, more yeah. people were aware that, like, you look ugly when you yeah. stuff your face with Botox. My friend told and, me and, the and story just... about somebody, because Botox is, by the way, poison. It is poison being stuck into your skin. And one of my friends told me a story about one of her friends had a bad reaction to it and nearly almost died. Yeah. Like, I have not once ever in ever times heard duck lips are attractive Every from time a guy. I'm like, oh my god, Never look at this once. girl. You're like, whoa, what, Whoa, what happened? And that's the thing. Like, guys can tell when it's not natural, yeah. man. And it, maybe not for all guys, but for the majority of guys, I think it's a turnoff because it's like not natural. It's also it's a turnoff because it's not natural. It's a turnoff because you know they're high maintenance and they care more about their appearance than most other yeah, things. They and like they're on Instagram showing off their fucking ass to everybody else except their husband like And it's a turnoff because it shows how insecure you are. Yeah. Yeah, like, you're willing to literally pump poison in your face. Why? What? You don't need because to. Because the world says to? Come you don't, on. You don't need to. Level up, ladies. Come on. All right. <clears throat> Are we done? I think that was all the ranting and raging. Until the next episode. Until the next chapter. Yeah. Well, let's go. <laughs> 21. Chapter 21. My dear Wormwood. Yes, a period of sexual temptation is an excellent time for working in a subordinate attack on the patient's peevishness. It may even be the main attack, as long as he thinks it's the subordinate one. But here, as in everything else, is the way we must be prepared for your moral assault by darkening his intellect. Men are not angered by mere misfortune, but by the misfortune conceived as injury. <coughs> and the sense of injury depends on the feeling that a legitimate claim has been denied. The more claims on life, therefore, that your patient can be induced to make, the more often he will feel injured and, as a result, ill-tempered. Is this like being denied sex? Um, uh, yeah, we'll have to read more. I could see it as that, but it could just be like, uh, you know, a lot of people are so entitled that, oh, I deserve food and housing. It's like, no, you don't. Yeah. You don't, you don't deserve nothing. You have to work for your shit. You came in this world without it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, you will have noticed that nothing throws him into a passion so easily as to find attractive time which he reckoned on having his own disposal unexpectedly taken from him. It is the unexpected visitor when he looked forward to a quiet evening, or the friend's talkative wife turning up when he looked forward to a tea-a-tea -tea with his friend, 
that throws him out of gear. Now, he is not yet to be so uncharitable or slothful that these small demands on his courtesy are in themselves too much for it. They anger him because he regards his time as his own and feels that it's being stolen. You must therefore zealously guard his mind and the curious assumption, my time is my own. Let him have the feeling that he starts each day as the lawful possessor of 24 hours. Let him feel as grievous tax that the portion of this property, which he has to make over to his employers as a generous donation, that further portion which he allows to religious duties. But what he must never be permitted to doubt is that the total from which these deductions have made was, in some mysterious sense, his own personal birthright. You have here a delicate task. The assumption which you want him to go on making is so absurd that if once it is questioned, we cannot find a shred of argument in his defense. The man can neither make nor retain the moment of time. It all comes to him by pure gift. He might as well regard the sun and the moon as his chattels. He is also, in theory, committed to a total service of the enemy. And if the enemy appeared to him in bodily form and demanded that total service for even one day, he would not refuse. He would be greatly relieved if that one day involved nothing harder than listening to a conversation of a foolish woman. He would be relieved almost to the pitch of disappointment if for one half hour in the day the enemy said, now you may go amuse yourself. Now, if he thinks about his assumptions for a moment, he even he is bound to realize that he is actually in this situation every day. When I speak of preserving this assumption in his mind, therefore, the last thing I mean you to do is furnish up with him the arguments in his defense. There aren't any. Your task is purely negative. Don't let his thoughts come anywhere near it. Wrap a darkness about it. In the center of that darkness, let his own sense of ownership in time lie silent, uninspected, and operative. The sense of ownership in general has always to, is always to be encouraged. The humans are always putting up claims to ownership, which sounds equally funny in heaven and in hell, and we must keep doing them doing so. Much of the modern resistance to chastity comes from a men's belief that they own their bodies. Those vast and perilous estates pulsating with the energy that made the world's in which they find themselves without their consent and from which they are ejected at the pleasure of another. It is as if a royal child whom his father has placed for love's sake in titular command of some great province under the real rule of wise counselors should come to fancy. He really owns the cities and forests and the corn in the same way he owns the bricks on the nursery floor. We produce this sense of ownership not only by pride, but by confusion. We teach them not to notice the different sense of the possessive pronoun, the finely graded differences that run from my boots through my dog, my servant, my wife, my father, my mastery, and my country to my God. They can be taught to reduce all these senses to that of my boots, of the my of ownership. Even in the nursery, a child can be sought can be taught to mean by my teddy bear, not the old imagined recipient of affection to whom it stands in a special relation. For that is what the enemy will teach them to mean if we are not careful. But the bear I can pull to pieces if I like. And at the other end of the scale, we have taught men to say my God in a sense not really different from my boots meaning the God who I have a claim for my distinguished service 
and whom I exploit from the pulpit, the God I have done a cornering. And all the time, the joke on the word mine is in its fully possessive sense, cannot be uttered by a human about being about anything. In the long run, either our father or our enemy will say mine of each thing that exists and specifically and specially of each man. They will find out in the end, never fear, to whom their time, their souls, and their bodies really belong. Certainly not to them. Whatever happens, at present, the enemy of, the enemy says mine of everything on the pedantic, legalistic ground that he made it. Our father hopes in the end to say mine of all things on the more realistic and dynamic ground of conquest. Their affectionate uncle, Screwtape. That one line, my god. Like... Where he says, my God, and I'm not saying, my, my God. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Where it's like, uh, we have taught men to say, my God, and not, in a sense, not really very different from my boots. I mean, the God who I have claimed for my distinguished service, services, uh, and whom I exploit from the pulpit. Yeah, they say, like, um, um, yeah, good deeds are not going to get you into heaven. All your wonders, all your skills, your property, how much money you have, none of that's going to get you in. Um, you might think you're clever, you might think you're skillful, you might think you're smart enough to figure out, oh, it's my god, I chose I chose the right religion, but ultimately, like, yeah, I don't know, it just is kind of, yeah, it, it's like this arrogance, mm. almost, where it's like, it's pride, too, where it's like, I know best, I chose the right one, and it's like, okay, so are you believing in God now, or are you believing in your own judgment? Yeah. And I don't think that's what that's about. Yeah. Um, the ownership of time is interesting, too, because yeah. in the Bible, it kind of says, like, do good work, do for God, like, you're up in the morning, you're working hard, you're out on the field, you're sowing, you're, like, you're working, you're continuously working and building and yeah. growing and blah, 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 whereas, like, the slothfulness... Like, you're lazy, you're chilling, like, oh my god, God's giving me 30 minutes? Yes, I'm going to sit here on my game, and then all of a sudden, eight hours. (laughs) It's just like... Yeah. Um, Yeah, even, like, the concept of time, like, you know, what we can plan out the the next 50 years of our lives if we want, but it's not (laughs) our time. It's not our time to decide. Like We're not running the show here. We're not guaranteed that time. Yeah, it's another one of those, like, it's pride again. It's arrogance. It's like you're not owed anything. And anything that you think, any skills you think you have can all be taken away instantly. Any And I guarantee there's probably somebody around who does it better. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, but it's a nice little trap, I think, of pride and just, like, I know best. Yeah. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. Do you have any more thoughts on that? Um, no, I think uh, I think that was uh, pretty interesting overall. Cool. Okay, so we've got there was two things, but I've added a third. Oh. oh, oh. Okay, so first let's talk about who this. did you go to for approval? Um, myself. <laughs> that's why that's <laughs> that's B from Pillow Talk and B. That's okay. <laughs> um. Okay. The first thing is we're having a guest on next week. To well, I guess next episode. I've been releasing these a little bit sooner than weekly Hmm. um his name is sam and he's gonna come and read with us um so i'm super excited so yeah if anybody else wants to come on and read with us we seriously would love to have you yeah yeah no it's always fun like uh 
you know, I do Lorehammer Listener Lore where we have a bunch of guests on, we just read stuff, and it's super fun just getting to know new people, and especially it, like, we recorded that episode already with that guy, yeah, and, uh, yeah, no, it was very fun getting to know him. Very and like, insightful. Yeah, and just, like, you get to see a fresh new human who you don't know anything about, there's no, like, uh, preconceptions that you take into it, it's just kind of, yeah, who, who do you want to be in this, like, yeah. You know, it's just strangers meeting strangers yeah. talking about perspectives on life and demons yeah. and religion. And it's just so interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, definitely looking forward for that one to be released. Great conversation and stuff. Great he was very insightful. for sure. So, yeah, feel free to reach out to us if you're interested on in coming on one of these and reading. Yeah. OK, I'll take over point two and then you can do point three. Go for it. Point two. Uh, so we like to uh, not only expand our minds mentally, we like to expand our skills <gasps> for vanity's sake. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to try to get into heaven. Uh, no. So we we are like. I wonder. We should try to. We should try to write a chapter. Yeah. So basically, the concept is me and B are going to write a chapter each. We're going to pretend to be you know, one of these demons taking on one of the apprentices. And, you know, we've kind of already chosen our individual themes. I don't know if you want to share your no. theme. No. Okay, then I won't share mine. You can. I just don't want to be judged before it's out, you know? No, I think it's fine. I'll share mine, and then you know how much detail to share about yours, and then people can't judge you. Okay, let's go. Uh, I, I think I'm going to do mine on um, the... The... Not, the power of disinformation yeah no it's yeah that's kind of it arrogance yeah the 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 power and arrogance of knowledge so you know oftentimes we think we know what's best but do we and it's this tough trap uh i i have one line in my head where it's um ignorance is bliss but what is more dangerous is arrogance Mm. that's good Wow. Yeah. We should write that down. I will. It's, okay. All right. Yeah, all right. where it's like, you know, yeah, you can be ignorant of what's happening around you and you can be very blissful, but what's what's more dangerous is thinking you know and having such a strong uh such a strong point of view. Point of view that nothing else can get into it. Yeah. I also think just to counter that like cuz that is very very important but also having some sort of stance matters. Sure. Like, I watched this video one time, and it was talking about how this generation will always, and I am so guilty of this, this generation will always finish a thought with, or something, or maybe I heard something. Yeah, like a little, like, like, you're just kind (laughs) of... There's no ownership of it, so you can't get in trouble Mm -hmm. for it later, and that's that's not okay. Like, you should be confident in your ideas, Mm -hmm. and you you should also be open to... You know, exactly. new information. If you are so confident that you can't hear new ideas, then you're then it then it's arrogance. Then it's you know? arrogance. So my, my chapter is kinda gonna be about how if you can get your patient into that stage of arrogance, then you know, it doesn't matter. They already think they're right. Like doesn't matter if even God himself comes and knocks on his door. He already thinks he's right. Yeah. Um so that's kind of what so yeah, I think it's gonna be a very fun writing exercise to try to write uh, in this style. Um, yeah. you've definitely written a lot more than I have so far. And just like, I've seen how you've kind of written a couple 
meandering sentences or whatever. Oh, and therefore, as you can see, it's often like this. Or as like you already know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. really fun because like he writes it like that. Like usually when I write, I'm like, hey, it has to be proper sentences. It has mm-hmm. to be proper punctuation. It has to be. But this way, it's like. I can write it as, like, a joking, like, this is a note to a friend kind of thing. Yeah, this yeah. is, like, a personal letter. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I can kind of have fun with it. Yeah. Mine is going to be, I mean, like, I just write about my own life. It's just <laughs> what I know. Well, yeah, yeah, I chose my, my topic, too, because, oh, like... Oh, really? You feel like you struggle with that? I... No, I don't feel like I struggle with that, but, you know, I could... It would be very easy to think I know everything. You tell me you know nothing all the time. You're <laughs> literally the opposite of that. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I have some very strong views on things that probably might uh, not be true. All right. So. Yeah, no, mine's kind of just about, like, the family unit and, yeah. like, if this, if, if I was the patient of the junior demon, how they could be using my family unit to mm-hmm. get to me and to, like, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, uh. Uh, generational trauma so yeah. and almost like you know instead of trying to go after uh the christian father's children if you wreck the christian father his children will therefore be wrecked so instead of trying to wreck three souls wreck one and get exactly. four yeah so it'll kind of be about that kind yeah. of like family dynamic and how if that breaks it it, it all kind of falls to and pieces. like realistically I mean, you could have asked me 10 years ago, and my little demon would be having the best time ever. Like, it would be easy. I was hurt. I was broken. Mm -hmm. He could take advantage of that. It would be, like, so easy. But Mm -hmm. that's not how I ended up. And so it's going to kind of be, like, you know, a little bit of a redemption thing. But, like, we can go into why it Whatever. It's going to be good. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to finish reading the whole book, and then we're going to do our chapters that we would include in the book. So that's pretty cool. Uh, You know, for all the... For all the authors out there, if you want to write a little chapter and send it in, we would love to to read what you kind of come up with. You know, come up with a nice theme, come up how you can do it. We'd love to share kind of your thoughts, like, more yeah. more written down like that. Yeah, and if you, of course, want to come on and read it for yourself. Yeah. With some, yeah. With some proper pronunciation and yeah. <laughs> some proper etiquette you know <laughs> uh the third thing not having to do with this book at all is we are having a really exciting guest um on this week like after this episode we're gonna release this episode after this episode that we're recording we are having a guest on from integrity integrity restored uh we're gonna go into it more on that episode but we're gonna talk about porn and I'm very, very, very excited. So, and it was, I kind of had some thoughts from the chapters we just read hmm. that kind of relate to what the conversation is going to be. So, yeah, definitely check that out. I'm yeah. super excited about that. Yeah, like to sum that one up, it's kind of like, porn is bad, I'm gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some misconceptions. There's like yeah. some physiological... Uh, consequences that come with porn there's some there's justifications for bad behavior that yeah. we're going to try to debunk and like how it affects relationships mm-hmm. how it affects your relationship with yourself how it can uh manifest into violence and all of that kind of stuff there's yeah you know we all have like we've all heard the stories of how women feel like nowadays uh men's sexual appetite is just like they can't keep up because they watch disgusting. they watch all these crazy degenerate things that are not realistic and definitely not love. Yeah, definitely uh, not love. And then, yeah, they try to bring that into, like, their relationship. The and it's like, that. yeah. 
Yeah. No bueno. It kind of started because we started watching this or we started reading this book called Porn Myths. And then we finished the book and I was like, no, I need to reach out to somebody because it was really insightful and really powerful and very yeah. useful. You yeah. can find that book on Google too. So highly, highly recommend reading it. It's not that long. It's not that difficult. And yeah. But if not, stay tuned for next week yeah. because we've got somebody coming on. Yeah, I'm excited about that because I'll finally be able to answer your father's question for me. <laughs> hey, Mark, how is your porn habits going? How's your walk with porn? How's your... <laughs> <laughs> just disgusting. So weird. Fuck. Anyways. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so that'll be a nice little break up from the screw tape letters. Yeah. Uh, if anybody wants to, again... Come on this episode, or come on the podcast and read Screwtape with us. If you want to be a part of the um, chapters that we write ourselves, feel free to reach out to us at pillowtalkwithmarkandb at gmail.com. Um, you can also support us. Yeah, if you've uh, listened this long, come on, just throw us a dollar, just one measly dollar. Just one dollar. Yeah, if you've ever gotten anything out of this, uh, yeah, consider donating at uh, Patreon. Go to Pillow Talk with Mark and B. Any, any amount always helps, you know. Yeah, there's also a one-time we're, donation we're, we're, link. Yeah. We'll we'll feed the money to our cats. Essentially, we'll we'll, chickens. Yeah, trade dollars for dog food. Yeah, you can choose chickens, cats, or dogs. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the ocean (laughs) fish. You decide. (laughs) Um, Thanks so much for everybody who's uh, stuck with us this long. Yeah, cool. See you on the next one, I suppose. Adios.